We are continuing our series on the seven signs. Before we get into the message today, we're going to look at the uh, fourth one, uh, the loaves and the fishes. Before we get into that, I do want to just spend a couple moments letting you know kind of where we're at as a church and where we're headed. Um, and uh, I, I, there's this phrase that I've been mulling on, um, and this is probably the best message that I have and a good summary of everything I'll say after this. Uh, during this season, we are just doing, trying to do the best that we can um, uh, as a church, and uh, you can be the judge of whether that's the case or not, but but uh, you, uh, don't tell me right now. But, uh, um, but uh, you know, try to do the best that we can. But we are um, laser focused on where we're headed. We, we know that there is a day coming and it seems to be approaching even quicker than, uh, than even some have thought where we can really open up. And our team and our staff and our leaders and our board are just devoting an immense amount of time and energy towards, uh, uh, towards a, sort of a grand opening. Um, and uh, we're really excited about some of the things that that's going to present and really excited where that's headed. So, um, but for now, we're trying to do the best that we can, and, and um, it's been a challenging season for everybody. One of the things that I realized is that um, one of the best ways to describe our community right now, just letting you know kind of where we're at, is, uh, is really kind of pulling from uh, some theology terms. We're very much in the, in the midst of a COVID uh, diaspora, um, this dispersed world of people kind of spread out and, and connecting in various ways. And, and I say that because uh, if you're tuning in online, and many of you who are in person have tuned in online, and, and the only number you really see is probably that little number at the top, how many people are viewing, and you're like, man, is that, is that who Central city is? Well, not, not exactly. There's actually a lot of other things going on. So first thing, I want to just let you know kind of where we're at, um, because I get the privilege to be um, in the middle of a lot of different branches of what Central City is doing, and I get to hear and connect with people in a variety of different ways. So I thought, how can I communicate that to you all and let you know kind of who we are as a community as the best guess that I have in the midst of this, uh, this dispersion where people are kind of spread out and connected in different ways. So I want to share a couple of numbers, uh, what I call a community audit, uh, living in the COVID diaspora. And uh, just, to, just to give you kind of a picture of who we are as a church right now. First off, uh, we have a, a number of staff, um, five staff. One of those is full-time. That's me. Uh, if you haven't met me, I'm the pastor. We have a, a, a number of other part-time staff, including uh, unpaid staff. And so um, that includes uh, Ryan, our worship leader, and Matt, our new admin. If you're uh, in the space, uh, Matt would love to uh, uh, meet you. He runs our database, so he's probably seen your name at some point. Um, but uh, he's looking forward to meeting people. Uh, Molly, of course, uh, with our city kids, and she's um, uh, just uh, doing a great job connecting with our families. And then uh, uh, Denise, who's running uh, Little Bottoms Free Store. So that's our staff. We currently are operating as a budget of uh, just about $250,000. Uh, just to give you a picture of who we are as a church, that's our budget. We're, we're severely under budget um, in regards to what we're spending because we're able to uh, really preserve a lot of expenses. We've worked really hard to, to keep and grow our staff, I think, which is a, a great thing to be able to do in the midst of, of COVID. And certainly keeping um, staff uh, is something that a lot of businesses are trying to do. And we've been able to do that very easily. This is the most exciting thing about our budget, though. Um, we're a church plant. We're on year four. We celebrated three years this last fall. Uh, this will be the first year where we uh, are a church without any uh, new church start grants. We've received other little grants here and there, but new church start grants. We started almost entirely grant funded, and this year we will receive uh, no grants, and we are uh, on track. This is not going to be a problem. Um, we, we might even be a little bit ahead because we've been able to save so much. Um, so that kind of gives you a pick. Now, this budget includes Little Bottoms Free Store and a variety of other initiatives, but that's kind of the budget. Um, 
there's also a number of leaders, uh, 10, 10 leaders right now, and I, I name this as, these include people who are over an area. For me, leader means ultimately responsible. And so there are people who are ultimately responsible um, for a group or for a team or for a particular area of our ministry. And so there's about 10 people outside of our staff that are leading, and you know, this includes small group leaders, it includes some of our people who are running uh, technology in the back, um, it includes um, a variety, our mental health team, a variety of teams, our leadership team, et cetera, um, people who are over um, a particular team or an area. And we have about 40 servants. Now, we have many more servants than that, um, but we have 40 servants who are actively serving. Many of our servants in the past were Sunday morning servants, city kids, coffee, greeters. Obviously, that's not something we've been doing. Um, but even outside of that, from Little Bottoms Free Store to some of our teams that are still meeting online, to our board, to uh, a variety of other places, we've got about 40 people who are actively uh, serving. And we have a number of groups. We have probably around 20 people connected to a small group. Um, that's a pretty good estimate. We have a couple of small groups that are holding on online. What's exciting, though, is that we are in the process of launching new small groups. So we have seven new small group leaders um, that are going to help us launch four new small groups um, this fall. And we're really excited about that opportunity and connecting with people in community. Uh, online worship, we average about 40 households. So that might include one person, might include a family. But um, uh, that doesn't mean there's 40 people on there at a given time. But when you run the numbers, we're about average 40 households. Our podcast, uh, which is the sermon, um, each week it's about a thousand hits. Um, now that's a little deceptive. That doesn't mean people are listening to it. We don't have that data tracking uh, set up, but these represent people who've subscribed and may or may not listen to it. But I will say that I get emails every once in a while of people uh, in our diaspora who will reach out and say, hey, I've been listening to the podcast this whole season and it's what's kept my faith tethered to God. So I'm really grateful that that's one way that people are remaining connected. And then uh, Molly with our city kids has been reaching out and connecting with our families, families with kids. We have about 20 families with kids that are some way connected to Central City Church. That represents about 30 kids. Um, and uh, we've, uh, between myself and Molly, we've connected, um, you know, a number of different ways, uh, phone, text, email, with, with pretty much all of the families in the, in the recent uh, last couple of weeks and just finding ways to, uh, to support them and kind of also trying to figure out the best way we can. So if you have any thoughts as we kind of open up and figure this stuff out, um, Molly, would, I don't want to put you on the spot, Molly, but Molly would love to, uh, that's her job. Molly would love to talk to you. So, uh, and, and really, we're lucky to have Molly. She's such a fantastic leader and has a real heart for our family. So, um, so that's where we're at as a community, as I best understand it. Um, for, depending on how you look at our church, it can be like, what is going on? But um, as I get to interact with a lot of different people, um, I'm really encouraged, and my big focus is um, really working towards what we're going to look like on the other side of this. Um, so I want to share a little bit about that. Um, I will say that as a pastor, um, this has been, a, been an interesting journey. Um, the last couple of months as we figure out how to be a, a church now, and as we put a lot of energy into where we're headed, um, uh, which I'll share about in a second, um, uh, just, it's been exhausting. And I think a lot of our staff are just putting a lot of energy. You might not see it, but you're going to see the fruits later. We're working really hard. And, um, every time we do something different, um, it's, uh, exhausting. 
change is exhausting. And so I was feeling that this weekend as we open up in person and online, I was feeling, I was feeling particularly uh, exhausted. Um, and I was like, seriously, time change? I'm going to lose an hour? I literally need an extra hour this week <laughs> because of just the, 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 the impact that it has on me as I wrestle with um, how to manage all these different pieces. And so I just, you know, I appreciate grace. Um, and, uh, and I think that's really important for all of us. You know, this is a very... Um, how people, especially how people interact regarding COVID. Um, I have no energy to, and, and I just want to say, uh, regardless of how people have connected, I have no judgment. I know there are families in our community that have been just kind of out on their own and, and, and they've, they've not found a, a meaningful way to connect in this particular season. I have, I have no energy for judgment and I encourage you to do the same. We just need grace. I don't have the energy to try to uh, talk about doing more for myself. I certainly don't have the energy to try to make you do more or you do more. So um, we just in a season of grace and I'm really excited what it's going to look like on the other side of it. So this is just very briefly, uh, we're going to spend some more time with this, but this is very briefly where we're headed. Um, as you know, um, ever since we did a series on the book of Micah a number of years ago, Micah 6.8 has been a, a bit of a theme verse for us. Um, in summary, it says, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. And some of you even have shirts. I saw one today. Yeah, we got someone in, in the house wearing one of the shirts. Maybe you're at home wearing one of the shirts. But do justice, love mercy, Mercy and walk humbly with God has been a theme verse. So um, as we think through where we're headed as a church, those are the three big categories we're focused on. And so I'll spend more time with this in the future, but just very briefly, um, around justice, we're really talking about what are we doing to challenge the systems of this world that continue to oppress and um, the ways in which we can engage in that. So that's where we're really investing in this multi-ethnic training, and that'll be involve a, a variety of initiatives that include the whole church, like a poverty simulation and a variety of other things. Um, we're continuing to invest in anti-racism and diversity efforts, um, specifically even locally in the Grandview area. Um, we have a number of people in our church who are connected that way. And then we're also working with Love Boldly, um, Many of you know Love Boldly from uh, Heidi Weaver-Smith, who's a part of our community. They've, we've done some conversations, but we're really asking the question, how we minister to, with, and for the LGBTQ community? So that's kind of like some big focus that we're doing this year. If you're interested in one of those, there's a number of ways you can get involved. Let me know. Um, but that's kind of like do justice. The next one is uh, Love Mercy. And mercy for me is all about compassion. Our ministry at Little Bottoms Free Store is, a, is the best example at Central City Church. People come and we give them baby wipes, uh, diapers, clothes. We're not necessarily changing the systems that result, you know, that brought them to that place, uh, all of the problems that lead up to that, but we're addressing an immediate need. That's compassion. And so over the next uh, year, we're going to be really focusing on lifting Little Bottoms up uh, and doing some really exciting things. We're looking at expanding staffing as well as updating some of the building at Little Bottoms Free Store, which if you're here is just back here. And if you haven't seen it, I recommend checking it out uh, if you're in person. But uh, we're going to be updating some of the buildings and doing, uh, setting it up so that Little Bottoms can serve more and more people. The last one is walking with God. And this is what we're looking at with small groups, discipleship. What does it mean for us to walk with God together? Small groups and uh, city kids is kind of the big focus there. So we are... Um, 
meeting at Little Bottoms Free Store, and we're continuing to explore what worship will look like here. We rec- we, we, it's always been our hope and our goal to have a church in this space to serve Little Bottoms Free Store. But we, we remain called still to the greater Grandview area. That's, that's where we started. That's where God called us. And uh, so we have a great relationship with the church at St. Luke's, and we are in the process of uh, carving out some fantastic space. Um, we're going to have, um, we actually brought on uh, a designer. Her name's Shala, and uh, she is working with uh, Molly and a few others on our, uh, who are connected with City Kids to kind of design a beautiful nursery, a beautiful large group kids area, a beautiful, like just really great children's space. This is important because the two previous locations we had as a church did not have adequate children's space. I'll just say it like that. The theater, if you remember, anyone who was there, the children's space was literally next to a bar, um, not a great space. The back space, it was a conference room. It was very small. So we're really excited about this opportunity, St. Luke's on 5th. I'll let you know if you're curious about it. You can look it up, and they have photos of the entire building. You can kind of see. But we're going to be um, working with a designer, and we're going to be uh, building out some great space, and then we're also going to be investing in small groups. So I'm going to get into these more. We're going to show some pictures. We're going to talk about it. But that's just a picture of where we're headed. We're hoping to have a focus on justice, mercy, and what it means to disciple one another. If you want to interested at this level and learning more about any of those things as we kind of work out the details, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to chat with you and uh, have a conversation. So with that, we're going to transition to our message. Um, we are looking at one of John's signs. And today, I'm going to pull a traditional church Uh, tradition, and I'm going to go against my desire to read a verse and offer my own commentary. I want to read the passage and just read the passage. Um, It it should be on the screen as we go along and if you're in person on the handout, but I want to read it. I want you to pay attention to it. God's word can speak to us regardless of what Joe has to say about it, and uh, so I want to spend some time with this passage and uh, one of John's seven signs. So, Here it is, John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than a year's, half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. 
Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Let's pray. God, we ask that you'd bless the reading of your word, that your Holy Spirit would lift some of these words off the page, speak to us, challenge us, and comfort us. Help us to understand your way. Help us understand who you are and what this miracle is pointing towards. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been looking at miracles, and we've been asking the question, okay, what does, what, how does this miracle point to who Jesus is? What's the sign? Um, it's not just about the miracle. Uh, it's about pointing, uh, helping us understand who Jesus is. And so we've been asking that with each of these miracles. Um, we looked at the, the water into wine and what that represented and the healing of the royal official's son. Um, and, and there's a number of others. We're going to look at walking on water soon and healing of the blind and even raising the dead back to life. All of these things are bigger than the individual event, they are an arrow pointing somewhere else, pointing ultimately to who Jesus is. And we see a transition happening right here with this sign um, because Jesus keeps performing these miracles and people don't seem to get it. People see the miracle and they love the miracle. They get addicted to the miracle and they want more of the miracle. But they never actually understand that it's a sign that it's pointing to Jesus. You see this more than, than anywhere in this passage. This transition begins to happen where it says they were going to make Jesus king by force. Did you catch that last verse? They're like, we would love a king. Now, Jesus is king. We talked about Jesus being king of kings with the royal official son. But that's not the kind of king they were interested in. They wanted a local king. And they want to make Jesus king by force because they would love a king who could give them unlimited bread. Don't, wouldn't we all? I'd love, you know, let's get it. Um, and so uh, they don't get it. They don't understand what this miracle is trying to say. And, uh, and so what happens is uh, later on in this chapter, and if you have your Bible, you can stay there. Um, the next story right after this is Jesus walking on water. We're going to skip over that. We're going to talk about that next week. But Later, um, Jesus has this conversation with the people, and he begins to unpack, okay, what does this actually mean? What is Jesus actually trying to say with the fact that he had given all of this sort of thing? So if you have, uh, you can find it in in verse 30, you see this. Um, So they asked him, they were asking Jesus, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? They're asking Jesus, what, what kind of sign can you give us so that we can believe? And then they say this, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So here's the first thing. The people who are receiving this miracle, they say that this points back to the exodus. That's what they're referring here. If you're not familiar with the story of exodus, uh, the people of Israel are uh, are stuck in as slaves in Egypt, God delivers them. Um, and then they find themselves wandering in the desert. 
In fact, here's one of the verses uh, in the desert. Uh, they, 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 it's not as great as they thought they would be being delivered. So in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. So they get delivered from Egypt, but now they're wandering and they're really hungry. So then the Lord says to them, verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. This miracle of Jesus turning bread, uh, multiplying the bread, one of the things it's supposed to point us back to is the story. And it's a very, very important story. This bread coming from heaven heavenly bread. But one of the things that we learn about manna is in the Old Testament, and you can't miss this, is, um, is that manna was only good for one day. It would only last one day. So you had to go out each day and, and get the manna. You had to go out each day and get the bread. If you went out and gathered enough for two days, you, you were in trouble because that stuff would just go bad. And what they had to learn was that if God was going to deliver them, that God would in fact provide for them. And one of the ways we learn that God is providing for us is relying on God each day. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and we prayed it just a little bit ago, um, Jesus said, uh, give us today our daily bread. In other words, my well just said, give us today our manna. I can only have today, um, uh, I can only, I have to trust God today. I can't trust God to, uh, God is not going to give me what I need tomorrow today. That's the reality. So you can plan for the future. We are currently as a church. We can keep walking towards the future. But God is going to give you what you need for today, today. And tomorrow, it'll be there. Jesus said it like this in the Sermon on the Mount. He said in Matthew 6, 34, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Always been one of my favorite verses. It's like tomorrow, tomorrow's worrying about itself. You don't need to add to tomorrow's worries. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And uh, can I get an amen? Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so there's this story in the Exodus where God provides them with bread from heaven. Um, and, uh, but it's only for today. We've got to trust God today. And, and there's a good reason for that. If God gave you enough bread for the entire year, you would probably go to God once a year. You know, if you had enough for the entire year, I'd go to God once a year and I'd offer my sacrifice and I'd, God give me what I need. And then, and, and some of us, I think, even live our lives this way. But manna wasn't supposed to be like that. Daily, every day we go to God because every day we need God. Well, the next verse in Jesus' response to the crowd as they're debating this miracle, he says this. He said, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. They had actually gotten their story wrong. If you listen to the crowd, they said, our ancestors gave us bread from heaven. And Jesus is like, that wasn't Moses. <laughs> Don't get your source wrong. Moses is the one who gave them bread from heaven. It's not, it's not how it works. Don't, don't see, the, they're still attaching value to the wrong place. It's, it's meant to be a sign. Be careful what it's pointing to. And they're attaching value to the wrong place. So Moses didn't. He goes on, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then verse 35, it says, Jesus, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. There are seven signs in the Gospel of John. We're spending time with each one in this series. There's also seven I am statements. This is the first one. Uh, and, and, and their I am statements, they include things like, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, John 8, 12. I am the door of the sheep, uh, John 10, 7 and 9. I am the resurrection and the life, John eleven twenty five. 25. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And, it, and the fact that they are I am statements is not by mistake. And, and Jesus, this is the first one. So Jesus is now just starting to give I am statements and, and for good reason. He's, he's almost saying, hey, let me tell you another story of the Exodus. You got the manna story. But if you go back even further to when Moses was called, because it was God who called Moses. Moses not own, wasn't Moses' initiative. It was God who called Moses. And when God called Moses and Moses said, who should I say is going to send me to deliver the people from Egypt? Mo, God says to Moses, this. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. I always, I can't, it's so inappropriate, but I always, I can't help but think of Popeye when I read that. I don't know if anyone grew up with Popeye. It's a different pronunciation, but um, similar. So Jesus saying, I am the bread, and he goes on and uses all of these throughout the rest of the book. Um, here, here's what I find interesting. I want to put up this chart real quick. If, if, here's the first 16 chapters of the Gospel of John. You can look at that. Here's the first 16 chapters. If you line up the seven signs with the seven um, I am statements, here, here's what you have. And you got these seven signs. Like we've already covered four. That's the arrows where we're at. But then that's the first I am statement. I am in the bread of life. What I find really interesting is Jesus starts by giving these miracles. But people don't seem to get it. So then he gets, you can't be any more direct than saying I am fill in the blank. Jesus really wants them to know who Jesus is. And so this miracle of the bread getting passed around to everybody is significant. Here, here's um, the next verse. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He goes on to say, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. This later became known amongst the disciples as a pretty hard saying. You know, generally speaking, if you're following someone, a rabbi, a religious leader, and they start using this language, generally speaking, the best advice I can give you is to leave. This is generally, this would be very strange. But in the context of Jesus wanting them, I want you to get it. I almost feel like Jesus is getting a little frustrated or like a little, you know, like I'm just going to be a little grotesque and a little harsh because you won't listen. I am the bread that came from heaven. I am the bread of life. I am the daily bread that you need. In the ancient world, Bread was almost synonymous with food, with sustenance. In fact, in the Old Testament, um, 
bread is sometimes translated bread and sometimes it's just translated like supplies. Like when someone's on a journey, it'll say, I'm, I, I took my bread. And, but, and so sometimes it's translated, I just I took what I needed. Um, but it was synonymous with just what you needed to survive. That's what bread means. It's what their diet was made of. If you had bread, if you had flour to make bread, water and oil to make bread, then you were going to be okay. And Jesus wants us to know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, without any confusion, I am that bread you need. I've said this before, and I even prayed it earlier. Um, I, I, I find myself sometimes going more than a couple days without going to the source. Without, without really kind of, I need you, God. I used to have this habit, and I've, I've dropped it a little bit with just the changes of life, but I used to have a habit where I would, I would end every day and begin every morning with a very simple prayer. I need you. Um, our son Finn is having difficulty right now at school. Um, I mentioned on Facebook he got kicked out. And that's something, you know, he's four-year-old at preschool, so you get sent home. Uh, I'm sure we all, there's a number of opinions floating around uh, on how that was handled, but uh, it's, it happened. Um, but even more so, he just he kind of doesn't really want to go to school, um, which is hard. You know, like I'm sure, you know, we're a new, you know, this is our first four-year-old. Some of you have had a couple four-year-olds, uh, so this is our first one, so just give us grace. But, you know, like it's like, man, that used to be really easy, taking him to school, taking him to daycare. And it's not easy when they, when they don't want to go. Um, and I was driving him Friday morning and, um, you know, you think as a pastor, we're, we're like pretty religious at home and, um, you don't know me very well then, uh, pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty human. And, um, and I was just like trying to, I was thinking and praying, like, how do I help this kid? And, uh, cause he just like, there was an angst and an anxiety and, um, even a bit of a fear and I can't quite, we can't quite figure out what it is that's bothering him. And so I asked him if he wanted to pray, um, which once again, as a pastor, be like, I'm sure you do that all the time. And I won't tell you how often we do it. But I asked him, I said, do you want to pray? And um, he was about as excited about that as, as school, by the way. But he was locked in a car seat, so that helps. And uh, he, he went along with it. And, um, and I remember just praying and honestly, I have, I'm hoping it impacted him, but man, it impacted me. God, will you just, you know, will you help Finn and will you give him courage and, and the things that he's worried about and will you just help him have a good day at school? Like this isn't, this ain't like a, one of the saints' prayers that's beautiful and poetic. I mean, it's very simple. Just offering that prayer up, God, will you just... And in the midst of that prayer, I was thinking, man, that's the prayer I need, isn't it? And, and, and I challenge you, when's the last time you prayed it? When's the last time you, I need my daily bread? I, I, I need to humble myself and lay, lay down my ego and just say, God, I need you. We're going to take communion. If you're online, I encourage you to grab your stuff. And if you're in person, we've got some of those individually packaged ones and we're going to take that, and, and when, we, when we break the bread and we, and we share in the cup, it's meant to be a reminder. You know, some churches, and, and I'm actually kind of jealous of those churches at times, they do communion every time they gather. 
it's, it's a strangely one of these controversial things. I don't know if you knew this, like people will get upset about it. I've heard people complain about it. Um, if they are part of a church that does communion every week, sometimes people complain or get upset. It's, I don't quite understand that. We don't do it every week, but there's a lot of traditions that do. The whole service is built around that, and it's because it's not monthly bread. You know what I'm saying? It's not quarterly bread. It's daily bread. And we take it, and we're supposed to remember that like now, right now, I need God. And, and, and I trust that, I'll, that God will be there for me tomorrow, but God isn't necessarily even giving me what I need for tomorrow yet. God's meeting me right here, daily bread, right now, and God will do the same tomorrow. And six months from now, God will be in the present as well, meeting us there. Let's pray. God, we come before you, and we give you thanks for this uh, gift of bread and cup. We ask that your Holy Spirit would fall on us wherever we find ourselves and fall on these gifts of, of bread and cup that you'd make them be for us the body and blood of Christ. That when you said to a crowd that we had to eat your flesh and drink your blood, we, we understand what you were talking about now, as harsh as that sounds, that we are meant to be reminded that you are that bread that we need. And that your body was broken and your blood was shed so that we could be saved. We remember that and we receive it as a gift of grace, free of judgment. And we give you thanks. Amen. Body of Christ, broken for you. Christ shed for you. Thanks be to God.